Psalms chapter number 114. I want to read the whole chapter before we get started. Starting in verse number 1. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language, Judah was his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. Jordan was driven back. The mountains skipped like rams and the little hills like lambs. What ailed thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest? Thou Jordan, that thou wast driven back? Ye mountains, that ye skipped like rams, and ye little hills like lambs. Tremble, thou earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, which turneth the rock into a standing water, the flint into a fountain of waters. As you read through this text of Scripture, all he can do is say, Wow! What a great God we serve, amen? amen? And truly, as we read through these verses, it's, a, it's abundantly clear that when the Lord starts to move in a situation, all things are subject to change, are they not? Even the forces of nature are not able to restrain the powerful presence of God as he moves in a situation. As I consider this, I'm reminded of Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 2. In the Bible, in Genesis 1-2, the Bible says that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. It is then after this verse that you start to see all life come into existence. But notice here in this verse that the earth is described as dark and the earth is described as dead. It was without form. It was void, meaning it was empty of all life and all that is living. And it tells us that darkness was on the face of the deep, but then something wonderful happened, Christian. <laughs> then the Bible tells us that God started to move. <laughs> it tells us that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. It was only then that the very presence of as the very presence of God moved over those waters that this dead world started to be brought to life. For that which is dead cannot stay dead in the presence of God. Amen. Amen. Then you turn over just a few pages and you look at Genesis chapter 2. We see there in verse number 7, God describes the creation of man. And notice what happened. It says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Think about this now. Before God moved in Adam's life, Adam was nothing but dead, lifeless dust. But when the hand of God reached down, it formed that dead dust into a man. And when the presence of God was so near that he could breathe into his nostrils, then that which was nothing more than dead dust was made a living and a breathing soul by the very power of God. You see, the lifeless dust was made a living soul by the powerful presence and breath of God. And so it is evident that when God starts to move, everything is subject to change. We move on over to the New Testament in Acts chapter 4. As we read down through that chapter, we find that the church is being threatened and the, 
the church is being persecuted and even some of their leaders have been thrown into prison by these wicked leaders. And I'm sure that their situation seemed beyond hell. And yet in verse 24, it tells us that the church lifted their voice up with one accord unto the Lord. And then in verse 31, it tells us, and when the people prayed, the place was shaken where they assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Listen, folks, these believers were facing some dark and difficult days, were they not? But when they prayed in one accord, meaning all together, God started to move, amen? And the place was literally shaken by the power of God, and the people were filled with the Spirit of God, and the power and presence of God was felt in that place. And the Bible tells us as well in verse 33 that with great power they witnessed. Later on in Acts chapter 16, verse 25 to 33, we read the account of Brother Paul and Brother Silas as they'd been beaten and they'd been locked up and thrown into the darkest parts of the prison, thrust into the stalks. And in that dungeon of despair, we find them sitting there, and yet we find them praying. And we find them praising God, even in the midst of those most troubling circumstances. And as they prayed, God stepped down. Amen. Amen. And the prison was shaken, the bonds were loosened, and the jailer and his whole family got gloriously saved by the power of God. Truly, when God steps down, when God moves, when God starts to operate, everything is subject to change. Amen. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And so today, I want us just to consider for a few moments from this text in Psalms 114, what to expect when you are expecting God to step down. When you are expecting God to move, when you're expecting God to operate, to, to do something wonderful, to do something amazing. I want you to notice, first of all, when God starts to move, you can expect the unexpected. Look at verse number three with me, if you would, please. The sea saw it and fled. I like that, don't you? What was it fleeing from? You look at verse 5. What ailed thee, O sea, that thou fleddest? <laughs> then you look over to verse 7. It says, Tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord. What was it fleeing from? <laughs> it's fleeing from the very presence of God. You see, truly, when, when God stepped down, even the gravitational forces of nature would not hinder him in his purposes. Now, no one in their right mind would have expected the sea to rise up as walls on either side and for the children of Israel to march across on dry ground, right? Nobody could have expected this. Certainly Pharaoh did not expect this. But when God started to move, when God started to operate in the midst of his people, that is exactly what God did. Amen. And listen, folks, no one would have expected the mighty walls of that great fortified city of, of Jericho to come down. 
And yet as God began to move in the midst of his people, the place was shaken, amen? The place was shaken, and guess what? The walls came tumbling down, amen? And the people of God triumphed in a land of great wickedness. Is that not what we want? Do we not want to see God's people triumph once again in a land that has become a land of great wickedness? And so don't tell me that we can't have revival. Don't tell me that there are those who are beyond the point of salvation, that they can't get saved. Don't tell me our country is too far gone. Because when God starts to move, when God starts to operate, you can expect the unexpected. Amen. You see, with Elisha, the axe head could still float when God started to move. Amen. With Moses, the bush could burn yet never be burned because God started to operate. With Ezekiel, the dry bones Dry, dead bones could be brought to a living, standing, breathing army when God started to operate. And so keep praying, Christians, amen, and look for God to do what, listen, only God can do. Vain is the help of man. It's to no avail. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but as for me, I will trust in the Lord. Amen. If you're looking to man, if you're looking to a preacher, if you're looking to a president, you're looking in the wrong place, Christian, because you've got to look to God, amen, because only when God steps down can you expect the unexpected. That's what we need. We don't need a work of man. We don't need a new politician. We need God and his presence and his power to be at work in our churches and in our country and in our Christians once again. And listen, if God did it before, guess what? He can do it again. Because my God never changes and he never lies. Praise the Lord. Notice when God starts to operate, when he starts to, starts to move, you can expect the unexpected. Notice, secondly, that you can expect the abnormal. Verse 3 tells us not only did the sea see it and it says it fled, but it says that Jordan was driven back. Think about that for a moment. Now listen, folks, it would, was completely abnormal. It was completely unnatural. It was completely contrary to the forces of nature that the Jordan River would be driven back. And yet when God stepped down, when God started to move on the behalf of his people in that situation, the Jordan River was literally driven back. In fact, you read Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 through 17. You can read that whole account, but... One thing that strikes me is as you read through that, you find out in Joshua 3.15, it tells us that the Jordan had overflowed its banks. You know what that means? That means it was not just a normal river situation. It was a flood situation. It was flooded at this time. And so we're not talking about 
holding back just the normal force of a flowing river, which is an ex extreme thing, but we are talking about holding back the force of the floods, Christian. <laughs> and you know what? God did it. Amen. The Bible says that God drove it back. It stood up as a heap. You ever watch the news? Of course, we've had some bad flooding around here from time to time with some of the hurricanes that have come through. And I've heard some of you tell me about how cars got swept down the road. We've got a church building in town that was completely pulled apart uh, by, by one of the floods that happened over the, over the last few years with the hurricane. But you watch on the news when the floods start rising up. Everything in its path is swept away. I don't care if it's cars. I don't care if it's houses. I don't care if it's people or cows or any other such thing. If it's in the path of those floodwaters, it's going to get swept away. And yet when God stepped down, even those floodwaters could not stand against the power of God. You see, floods, floodwaters will sweep away anything in their path. When floods rise up, guess what? Men are completely, totally helpless, are we not? And so there's nothing, uh, nothing normal about these floods of Jordan being driven back. There's nothing normal about them standing on a heap so God's people could pass on dry ground. And yet when God stepped down, when God started to operate and when God started to move on their behalf, the floods were driven back. And listen, folks, it may seem in our country as though there's a flood of ungodliness. It may seem as though there's a flood of wickedness that has risen up against us in this country. It may seem as though we're about to get swallowed up in all of it. But just remember, when God steps down, when God starts to move, listen, there is nothing that can stop God. When God started to move here, those Jordan rivers, those flood waters, they were driven back and God's people marched across on dry ground. And you know what? My God can do it again. For when he starts to move, we can expect him to do that which is abnormal. Well, I'll tell you what, it doesn't seem normal for God to do anything nowadays. You say, what do you mean, preacher? We knock on doors every single week, and you know what we get? I'm saved. I'm good. I go to church. I don't need that. People just don't care. The sad truth is, even the ones that say they're saved, the ones that say they go to church, the vast majority of them have no idea about what it means to be saved, and they don't care. They're like a rock. They're so hard. And we might look at it and say, God can't do anything. God can't move. It's beyond help. I mean, we're swallowed up in the floods of ungodliness and self-righteousness and wickedness. God just can't do anything. But you know what? When God starts to move, even the floods can be heaped up so God's people can march across and dry ground. For nothing is impossible for our God. Amen. So when God starts to move, you can expect the unexpected. When God starts to move, you can expect the abnormal. When God starts to move, you can expect mountains to be moved. Look with me if you would at verse number four. 
The mountains skipped like rams, and the little hills like lambs. Then verse 6 says, Ye mountains that ye skipped like rams, and ye hills like lambs. This speaks of how the mountains moved in the very presence of God. Read with me now, so we can get this in context. Read with me in chapter 68 of Psalms as well. And then we'll turn and read in verse, in Exodus chapter 19, so we can see what God is referring to here. Psalm 68 and verse number 8 says, The earth shook, the heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. Well, I'll tell you what a powerful sight that must have been. Amen. You look also talking about the same thing into Exodus chapter number 19. And verse number 18. Says chapter 19, verse 18, it says, And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. The smoke there ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mound quaked greatly. Listen, folks, when Moses went up Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments, and the very presence of God came down on that place. The Bible says that the Lord descended on it with fire. Would to God that God would descend on this place with Holy Ghost fire yet again, amen. amen. And the whole mount quaked and it, and it shook. And, and Psalm 68, 8 says that Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God. Wow. You know, listen, folks, even the most unmovable obstacle we have on this planet, a mountain, is moved by the presence of God. And that, that tells me that there is no obstacle, there is no mountain in my life or in our country that is so big and so unmovable that God cannot move it. My Bible tells me Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God. And so no matter how great the obstacle, no matter how great the mountain may seem to be in our eyes, we must remember our God is greater. Amen. Our God is greater. Amen. Amen. We may go out knocking on doors. We may talk to lost loved ones and family members and neighbors and co-workers and say, man, they're like a rock. Well, listen, if God can move a mountain, God can move a pebble too. Amen. Praise the Lord. You see, there's no mountain that he can't move. For when God steps down, when God moves, even the greatest mountains will be moved. It seems, it may seem that mountains blockade the way of revival. We look at what's going on in our country, we say, how in the world could God ever send revival? We look at what's going on, we say, how in the way in the world could... Souls get saved. It seems to be a mountain blockading the way from souls getting saved. Sometimes in our lives, we may seem, it may seem to, 
to be a mountain between us and doing the will of God in our life. But remember, we serve a mountain-moving God. Amen. Amen. And when he steps down, when he starts to move and to operate, there is no mountain that cannot be moved. There is no obstacle that cannot be moved. You know what? I'm looking for God to move a mountain. May God send revival to his church. Amen. May the Holy Ghost fall like fire on the church once again. And the presence and the power of God be felt in the midst of God's people once again. Hey, may God move that mountain and cast it into the sea because God's people start to pray. And God starts to operate. And God starts to move. Listen, there's no mountain too great for my God. But we must remember as we consider this, the words of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 17, I want you to look there with me. Matthew chapter number 17 and verse 20, 21. Then came the disciples to Jesus during verse 19, a part of them said, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto him, what? Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall remove, say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place. They shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now a lot of people read this verse, but they don't read the verse that comes after it. And what does it say? How be it, this kind what? Goeth not out, but how? But by praying and fasting. Do you really want revival? Do you really want God to revive you personally again? Do you really want to see God start to move in a mighty way in the midst of his people again? Do you really want to see there be an awakening in our community, in our country? Do you want to see God turn the tide? God can move that mountain, Christian. There's nothing too great for our God, Christian. God can take and cast it into the sea. God is able, but this kind goeth not out. But how? But by prayer and fasting. You know, I think when we think of fasting, in my mind, it's what I think of when I think of the most serious type of praying. Because when people fast in the Bible, they, why did they do it? They fasted because they were desperate. I mean, they fasted because they were hopeless. They fasted because they thought we are at our wit's end and we are going to have doom and despair or some sort of awful thing come upon us if we don't really get a hold of God and listen. That's the type of praying that God's people got to do if we're going to see God move. When's the last time you prayed like that? 
like Brother Darrell was talking about this morning, how often we just go through the motions. We come in for our Sunday morning service and check. But we have not even enough fire in us to come back for the Sunday night or the Wednesday night service. And yet we say we want revival. You know what the reality is? That if we can't come to the services of the church, how can we... How, how, how can we think that we're really praying like we ought to be? You know what? If you don't come to the services just three hours a week, four hours a week, you count Sunday school because you ought to be here for that too. Amen. If you can't do that, then why in the world would you think that you know how to pray? Because you know what? If you were praying like you ought to, you'd be here like you ought to as well. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. What? Availeth much. Where's the righteous men? Where are the righteous ladies? Where are those who aren't afraid to get alone with God and grab a hold of God and say, I'm not. Let me go, God. Accept them. Bless me. God, I'm not letting go. I've got to have it. Amen. I've got this mountain. I've got this impossibility that stands before us like Mount Everest. And on the other side of that Everest is revival. And we say, oh God, I want it, and I want it so bad, but this mountain stands between us and America having revival. Boy, we need it so desperately, but that mountain is between. What can we do, God? Albeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Oh, how many of us will whine and complain. I don't want communism. I don't want Joe Biden. I don't want all the awfulness, the abortion, the homosexuality, the wickedness, all the vileness that goes along with it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want my kids to grow up in that. Are you praying? And I don't mean just patsy praying. I mean really learning to get a hold of God. I'm talking about effectual, fervent praying. Because if you don't effectually, fervent pray, you don't really mean it. It's just religious praying. It's this, just it's just this, like the Sunday morning check. Check, I went to church. Check, I prayed. Check, I read my Bible. Good Christian. Right? That's not going to bring revival. That's not going to move mountains. And listen, we need some mountains to be moved. Right. Now, granted, I want President Trump to be elected again, but it's not President Trump that we need. We need a moving of God in our country again. We need God to turn the time. We need an awakening amongst the lost and a reviving amongst the church. That's what we've got to see in our country. And if God's people can't get a hold of the fact We've got to get on our knees before a holy God and pray like we ought to, then I just don't know what's going to happen up here. Because it's only effectual, fervent prayer that will bring that mountain down or will move that mountain out of its place. So, what about it? You say, Well, preacher, I've not done a whole lot of praying up to this point. Will you determine from here on out? You know what? We're, we're just a little over a week from election. Your children, your grandchildren, your lost loved ones could grow up in a communist country. That is the reality of it. You look at what they're promoting. That's what they stand for. I've lived 
in communist type countries. You don't want it for your family. It will not be good for you or for America. If nothing ought to provoke you to pray, that alone ought to be enough to provoke you to pray. What chance have your children and grandchildren and lost loved ones if our country is given over to atheism and evolutionism and communism? Oh, may God have mercy on us. May God help us. And may God's people waken up and start to really get a hold of God and pray. Amen. Because when we do, the mountains can be moved. Listen, read this verse again. Jesus saith unto them, uh, they said, why could we not cast him out? Why could they not do it? Because of your what? Your unbelief. And you know, the, the, to boil it down to the basics, prayerlessness is unbelief. When we don't pray like we should, it's because we really don't have faith like we ought to. And he says, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have Faith as a grain of a mustard seed. Just the tiniest bit of faith. Ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now that brings me to ask you this question. Do you believe God? Church, do you believe God? Apparently nobody in here believes God besides me. Church, do you believe God? Yes. Okay, that's better. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not up here all by myself now, amen? And if you believe God, what does God tell us here? He says, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove to yonder place, and it shall remove. <laughs> but it goes out how? By prayer and fasting. And so listen, God can. And the fact is that God will keep his promises if we'll do our part and just get along with God and pray like we ought to. So listen, when God starts to move, when God starts to operate, we can expect mountains to be moved. But it's not going to happen if people refuse to pray. If God's people just won't, won't effectually, fervently pray like God has called us to do. That ought to be our daily walk. I mean, that ought to be like, like, like a bunch of Enoch's in here. We're walking with God. And, we, and when that rapture comes, we were not because he takes us, right? Oh, may God help us to have such a walk of prayer that God would remove mountains. Notice also, so when God starts to move, you can expect the unexpected. You can expect the abnormal. You can expect mountains to be removed. I notice number four, you can expect the impossible. Look at verse number eight, if you would, of our text in Psalms chapter number 14. Which turned the rock into a standing water, the flint into a fountain of waters. Now, this speaks of God turning that rock into standing water, that flint into a fountain, in order that he might supply the thirst of his needy people. Now, even before we go any further this morning, I want to tell you I'm thirsty, Christian. Amen. I hunger and I thirst after the righteousness of God. I hunger and I thirst for the power and the presence of God, for God to revive us again and do a work in the midst of his people. 
And if he can supply his thirsty people in a desert out of a rock, guess what? He can supply our need too. Now you look at this verse and it seems to us that water out of a rock is impossible. But I want you to notice here, it does not say in this verse that water came out of the rock. But what does it say? It says that he turned the rock into water. <laughs> now you thought it was impossible to get water out, water out of a rock, but it's even more impossible to turn water, a rock into water, isn't it? And yet when God steps down, and when God starts to move, and, and when God starts to operate, we can expect the impossible to happen. <laughs> because with the Lord, nothing shall be impossible. It says that in Matthew 17. You see, the mind of man cannot comprehend what God can truly do if God will step down and start to move and operate in our midst. We can't even comprehend it. We just see through a glass darkly. We can't see what heaven's going to completely be like. And we couldn't really comprehend what it would be like if God actually started to move and operate a revival in our midst. Truly, there's no limit. There's no bounds as to what God can do. He parts Red Seas. He drives back our Jordans. He moves our mountains. He turns rocks into standing waters. Truly, if God steps down and he starts to move, there is nothing that shall be impossible. Nothing. Now, what does nothing mean? Nothing. Cookies are on the bottom shelf here. I'm not, I'm not trying to trick you all. <laughs> nothing means nothing. Listen, our thirsty souls can be revived again by the almighty power and presence of God. Our wicked country can be turned again into righteousness by the power and the presence of God. Our lost loved ones, our lost neighbors, our lost countrymen can be awakened and gloriously saved by the power of God. Because nothing shall be impossible unto him. You see, when God starts to move, we can expect the impossible. Now, let me ask you, when you look at our country, what do you see? I don't know about you, but I see impossible. I, I see impossible. I see cities burning. I see rioting. I see domestic terrorists called Black Lives Matter and Antifa and all kinds of other craziness. Breaking things, burning down, stealing, looting. In the name of protest. Not protest, it's... It's domestic terrorism. I see an a individual running for president that is basically standing for communism. And I cannot believe that we would ever have such a thing in our country. I look at the liberal agenda and the wickedness and the ungodliness that has permeated all aspects of our society with the abortion and the homosexuality and the licentiousness where pretty much sexually anything goes in this culture. And it baffles my mind and I think to myself, God, can you really do anything with this? It is such an awful mess. And yet nothing Amen. shall be impossible unto my God. Yes, and you read about the revivals of the past and you find out that they too face situations that are very similar to ours where they thought to themselves, we're too far gone. 
There's no hope left. It's too dark. It's too dreary. But just like the Spirit of God came on the scene in Genesis chapter 1, the earth was dark and it was dead and it was without form and it was void, no life at all. But then when the Spirit of God started to move on the face of the waters, guess what happened? Life started to spring forth. And I'll tell you, if God did it then, he can do it again. Amen? Because when God starts to move, you can expect the impossible to happen. I'm looking and expecting for God to do the impossible. I hope you are too. And I hope you're not just saying that. I hope you're praying about it as well. Because it is the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. It's the kind of prayer and fasting that moves the mountains. And we need to be looking for God to move in that manner. So notice when God starts to move, you can expect the unexpected. You can expect the abnormal. You can expect the mountains to be moved. And you can expect the impossible to be done. But I notice lastly here, you can expect things to get shook up. Look with me if you would at verse number 7. It says, Tremble thou, earth, at the presence of the Lord. Tremble thou. I like that verse. Listen, my friend, I think you can be sure if God steps down and starts to move, you can expect that he's going to shake things up, won't he? Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 64, in verse 1 through 3, he said, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens and come down, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. Would to God that God would do it again. Oh, may God shake this place as he did the church in the book of Acts. And may he revive us again. And may he fill us with his spirit and allow the power of God to rest upon us. May God shake up the lost like he did that Philippian jailer <laughs> and bring them to their senses that they might truly repent and, and turn to the Lord and trust him as their Lord and their Savior and be gloriously born again. <laughs> May God do it. Yes. Maybe even someone here even right now would say, Preacher, the presence of God is trying to shake me up. He's trying to get my attention, just like he did that jailer. Let me tell you, friend, don't run from it. Certainly don't try to end your life like that jailer did. But for once in your life, turn to and trust in and commit your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior and the God of your life. And do it today because today is the day of salvation. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning, Christian, and God's trying to wake you up. During the service, you can feel the Holy Spirit shaking your spirit, saying, Christian, what's wrong in your life? Christian, wake up! I'm coming soon, Christian. Quit sleeping on the job. Wake up. You've lost that first love. Wake up. You're dead. Wake up! You become lukewarm! And you're sleeping. Won't you let me wake you up? What about you? Will you let him have his way? Well, I'll tell you what. I want to see God revive us again. I want to see and know what it means to be filled with, with 
the power in the presence of God. I want to see that in this place. I want to see that in my life personally. I want to see that in this community and in our country. And those mountains that I talked about, they can be removed and God can grant it because nothing is impossible unto him. How be it this kind goeth, go, uh, goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. What about it? Will you join us in praying that God would move like that? The Bible says that it was when the church prayed in one accord that the place was shaken. What does that mean? doesn't mean the preacher prayed by himself. It doesn't even mean a small handful prayed together. It means that all of them together as one were praying for God to move. And guess what God did? God moved. And the church was revived. And the people were filled with the Spirit of God and empowered by the power of God. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of dead Christianity. I'm tired of going through the motions. I want to see the power and presence of God revealed in my life and revealed in this church and revealed in our country, in our community as well. Yes, and if it's going to happen, God's people are going to have to get back to praying like they should. Amen. As we now stand to our feet with heads bowed and eyes closed, the altar is open. If the Lord spoke into your heart this morning, Christian, you come and pray. Maybe you are already praying and you just want to come forward and say, you know what? I want to just keep praying. I'm looking for God to move the mountain and grant us revival. I'm looking for God to move in such a powerful way that we might experience his presence and his power in our midst. Would you come pray about it this morning, Christian? Maybe you somehow fallen asleep on the job. Maybe you've become somewhat deadened spiritually. Maybe you've become somewhat lukewarm or lost that first love. Would you, would you come down and pray this morning and ask God to help you? Because listen, sometimes we even need to pray. Lord, help me to pray because I don't know how to pray. Oh, listen, church, we need some help from God. For vain is the help of man. Would you come and pray this morning if the Lord spoke in your heart? Well, I'll tell you what, we need God to move. And it won't happen if God's, unless God's people start to really get serious and pray. Oh, may God help us. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, Preacher, the message spoke to my heart, but not because I'm saved and I need to be revived, but because I'm lost. And I don't know where I'd spend eternity if I was to die today. Is there anyone here like that this morning that can raise their hand and say, Preacher, that's me. I really don't know where I spend eternity. I really don't know for sure that I'd go to heaven. I don't know for sure that I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Is there anyone like that here this morning? Don't see any hands. God knows your heart. And all oh, Christians, may we pray like we've never prayed before. And may God move that mountain. Grant us the revival that we seek, that we desire, and that we really desperately need to see in our 